Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at beingseen.org, a brand new therapist directory. Before we dive into our conversation with Kelly Higdon, we want to remind you of Revision, the practice of being seen retreat for therapist healers that's coming up this August between the 13th and 16th in New York's majestic Catskill Mountains. For more, visit practiceofbeingseen.com slash events. The Practice of Being Seen is about understanding who you really are and daring to share your truth with the world. This is a conversation with and for seekers, creators, and holders of transformation. We believe that stories shape relationships, and relationships shape stories. This is Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and founder of Connectfulness. And this is Marisa Gowdy, writer and storytelling coach for healers. And this is The Practice of Being Seen. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Today's guest is Kelly Higdon. Kelly is a licensed marriage and family therapist who co-founded ZinniMe, a place where therapists learn how to build and grow their private practices. Through the business school bootcamp, conferences, and retreats, Kelly gets to work with healers from all over the world. She's also a business consultant for entrepreneurs who want to stop sacrificing their lives for their success. Kelly, welcome. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're with us here today. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, before we, we start, um, I want to just kind of be a little bit vulnerable and share that before we sat down to record this podcast today, Marisa and I were talking and I was telling her, you know, it's time that I hire a coach again. And your name came up. Well, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, I, when I think of you, I think of someone who can really just kind of like hold space. I, I do. And I am challenging in that space too, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> but in, in, in like a balanced way, there's, there's a balanced challenge that happens there. I hope so. I mean, I've, I'm learning, you know, um, I've been doing this for a while. And so it, it, it grows as you keep practicing. It's a practice, honestly. Um, uh, our skills, you know, there's some natural ability, but then the more we do things and the more life we experience as well, um, we get more finessed and um, I think more helpful to people. Yeah. You know, you help in so many ways and you kind of, you kind of, we were talking before we jumped on the air about the various roles that you hold that certainly Rebecca has mentioned that as private practice plus our collaborative project. So we were all in that soup together. I'd love for us to kind of dive into what it's like to navigate and manage those hats for lack Holding of a all the hats. yeah wearing all, all the hats tossing all the hats and dropping them on the floor and trying not to cry <laughs> you know all the above being all the things to all the people right yeah um i would say you know it's something i'm still learning <laughs> to do especially as i add more hats for some reason i think that what's important to me is that i'm the same through and through that really who I am as a private practice coach is how I show up as a life coach. It's kind of how I show up as a therapist, really. And um, there's a season for different things, too. 
you know, there's a season when I'm really ramping up with the private practice stuff and Zinni Me and working with Miranda. And then there's a season for focusing on my own business and kind of figuring out my identity there as well. So it's just remembering like while it's all this, all different hats, it's still the same person, you know, um, and that's the person that's got to be taken care of. And that's the core of all of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love how you use seasons as um, a way of kind of breaking apart the different, the different roles, the different hats that you wear. Yeah. That it's, you know, um, the, it's like your focus shifts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, I don't think um, it's great for who you serve, nor for yourself to be um, all in all the time in all of the places. (laughs) You don't think people should ride two horses at one time? I think we've had that conversation (laughs) before. I think we've had that conversation like 20 times. Yeah. (laughs) But right there, you just gave people permission not to be all in. Right. all the things at all the time. But, right. But yeah. even like that would pause people right away because I think so much of it, like there's so much motivational language around like, you got to be all in, like live your life to the fullest. Some, <laughs> some parts of it at some of the time, like is like that parenthetical phrase at the end that we don't necessarily hear and really embrace and understand enough to make being all in advice that actually can work if you understand how to hold it. Yeah, I think... Going back to that analogy of wearing the hats, right? Like I'm all in with who I am, but how I express that shifts over time. And um, those hats are just a reflection. They aren't defining of me. And I think that sometimes we get our identity too wrapped up in those different hats. And so then we think if there's a season for that, then a part of me is going dormant. And I don't see it that way. I think it's just kind of shifting a focus, shifting and changing where you choose to reflect yourself, where you choose to serve. Um, But when people are like, do all the things all the time and live fully, I don't know. I (laughs) I don't totally ascribe to that because that's, that's, if you think of like directionally, it's, it's too spread out. And um, I kind of like, I like the variety and I just want to make sure that like the foundation, me, um, and what I do is solid so that those other things can float as I shift my, my focus. Yeah. And it makes me also think of that, you know, that, that current um, popular idea of just pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it, it, the season's, I think also is another way of talking about that, that it's not that you're only doing one thing, it's that you're doing one thing at a time, that your attention isn't being diverted. Right. I'm a minimalist at heart, um, and I think that that has been lived out in my personal life a lot more and is now becoming more and more in my... In your business. In my businesses, Yeah. Um, like how much do I really need to do social media and how much do I really need to be spending, um, blogging and all these kinds of things? I, I am less is more. I, I'm really kind of trying to 
hold to that as I continue. Yeah. And is that some, is that something that you've been able to move toward because you've built such a body of work? Like I feel like at certain moments, certain seasons in one's career, say looking over several years, it may not be fully possible to step into that less is more until you can say, wow, I've built this foundation to stand on. I wrote that blog post three years ago. I'm going to remember to reuse it opposed to rewrite it and force myself to keep continuing to produce because I quote unquote should. I will say I used to say that. I don't Mm. believe that anymore because really this is something I've learned too. The silent people are usually very successful. Just because you don't see them on social media doesn't mean they aren't doing amazing work, providing for their families in a significant way and enjoying their life. Mm. Lots of people build businesses outside of this online sphere. (laughs) Um, And we forget that because when you are in that online sphere, that's what you see and that's what you think is the norm. But there's lots of different ways to build a business. Yes, I think in the beginning, of course, it's a lot more work whether you are doing the online stuff or not. And it you you do gain momentum, but I do kind of wonder how much is really necessary. I have friends that have built million-dollar businesses in a year, and no one knows who they are, and they work 20 hours a week. And, you know, it's just, there's just different ways to go about doing business, and it also depends also on the type of business, I think, too. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm I'm kind of like taking that in and letting it just kind of resonate with my own heart and mm-hmm. and the places that um that I aspire to grow into and I'm also I also found myself a little while ago when you were talking about being a minimalist at heart mm-hmm. I found myself reflecting on this conversation I recently had with my husband around planning a family vacation uh-huh. or actually not even a family vacation just a personal vacation for the two of us and we were talking about um, getting away and keeping it simple and wanting to go to like a little lake where we could bring our paddle boards and just, it, that's it. Like that was our goal. This real simple vacation. And he was saying, well, let's get a tent. And I was, and just like camp it. And I was like, or we could stay in a really nice place where we don't have to think about anything. And we were talking about these differences because I am a minimalist at heart. I would like to live out of an Airstream, like as my full-time right. house one day and just like have that simplicity But for a vacation for like three days, it takes me at least two days to get comfortable sleeping on the ground again, (laughs) right? So we were talking about this like difference, like what is simplicity? What is minimalism? And how do we define that? It's not always like just getting rid of everything. No, There's, There's different definitions in there. And I was just rethinking of that conversation as you were talking about being a minimalist at heart, like how how to simplify. It doesn't always mean just stripping away everything. It means, well, I'll let you figure that, fill that in. What does it yeah, mean to no, you? Yeah, no, you know, go back to that idea of essentialism, all one thing, you know, all those books. I, I, I mean, if you look at minimalist culture, if you love reading books, you can have books, but it's about being around things that bring you joy and ease and don't just fill. You know, everything has a purpose is kind of how I see it. And so if I don't, you know, I don't, people will say like, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to start a blog. I'm like, don't just do it to do it. Yeah. What is the why? 
And that really can help reduce the clutter. So kind of like what we're talking about, like, don't you have to do all these things first? I don't know. How do we find new ways of doing stuff? We challenge the norm. We go against what everybody's saying and we see if we can make it work. And so maybe we don't have to do it X, Y, Z way. I think we get really caught up in seeing other people's success and then they have their model for what worked for them. And we think like, oh, if I repeat that. But part of growth as humanity is to challenge some of those things so we can discover new ways. And I think minimalism brings to mind just, it's a, it's challenging. It's a little bit of rebellion and saying, is this really necessary? Do I really want this? Do I really need this? I want to, I want to talk more about that rebellion mm-hmm. and how that, that challenge, that pushback is actually what helps each individual grow in their own way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm thinking, for example, of I, I know that all three of us are are mothers, and so we've all experienced that point where our children are pushing back on us and learning how to say no, and that's teaching them something that's really important about their individuality and their place in the world and what the rules and the boundaries are around them and um, how that all holds them and keeps them safe. And I think as business owners, we forget that there's a very similar um, developmental curve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really do apply the developmental stages to business. And I can tell by how someone reacts to their marketing, um, how someone reacts to their marketing, how someone, I don't know, approaches um, their business, if they've got fears and that sort of thing. You can pretty quickly see if they're new if they've been doing it a while, if they're individuating, <laughs> all these <laughs> kinds of things. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. No, it's, no, it's normal. Yeah, I think it goes through all of that kind of stuff and challenging. So talk to us a little bit about how you kind of hold that space for the people you work with who are leaning into trying to figure out what their way is and they're freaking out and afraid because maybe their way is a way that other people aren't doing. Yeah, I love it when it's something that's different. And I I say, you know, you don't jump from infancy to adulthood without going through all the other stages. So what I'm looking at doing is saying, okay, you have this big dream. You want to do it this way. That feels so scary. What would be one step towards doing it a little different? Um And I think that's the coolest thing that when people kind of break it down into chunks and they see like, okay, I don't have to be that vision right now. I just need to do one thing differently. Um, It can ease some of the fear and allow a little bit of growth. And so I just kind of see it as this um, back and forth exchange of one step at a time and not always like jumping off the cliff right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about failures too, right? Because part of growing sometimes is allowing for you to try something and seeing what works and what doesn't work and making pivots, even right. small ones like, um, you know, like buying a Facebook ad and that not being the thing that works. And so you don't do it again. 
Um, or you understand why it didn't work. Yes. I think that's the, that is what is important. Like failure with learning. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of like, okay, that didn't work. That's over. That's very, again, developmentally, that's kind of that black and white thinking, right? And so I'm going to say, all right, let's look at this ad. Uh, copy was great. The image could be different. You could change your targeting. Oh, where you are sending this ad to, no wonder it didn't work. You didn't have a way to really capture and track. So down the road, when you feel ready and you have other things in place, then, you know, you can learn from that and do it differently. Um, so I don't say throw everything out the window, you know, learn, learn from, from it. it. Yeah. Right. And failure is required. Um, if you don't risk failure, I don't see how you're going to move forward. You're just going to be stuck in your assumptions and fears and never taking action. Mm. That's so resonant. I, I wanted to pivot for a minute and talk about how this all, how, how growing a business and risking all these failures and putting yourself out there and having these different seasons and doing one thing and allowing yourself to expose yourself to both your dreams and your fears and, and all of this growth also affects you as an individual. Okay. In, rela- in relationships, like how, how do you manage, and I'm asking you as Kelly, yeah. how do you manage to, to show up in all these places, to be mom and wife and friend and family member and all of these other hats? Because those other pieces of your relationships, they don't get seasons. Um, true, but... <laughs> I will say I will say this like for example I do this intensive you guys know this mm-hmm. boot camp thing and for two weeks my family knows like Kelly's gone <laughs> She's so they here. do get seasons <laughs> they do and they know that for four weeks out of the whole year that we have agreed to make some sacrifices for a better gain for our family overall and so during boot camp, it was like towards the end. And all I do is I answer questions all day long. And I take a shift. So I, I do more like afternoon, evening. And that's when Claire is home from school and life is happening. And it was a weekend. And Greg asked me, my husband asked me, what do you want for lunch? And I looked at him and I was like, I cannot make a decision for you. <laughs> I was like, do not ask me what you want for lunch or what we want for lunch. I was like, you have to decide because I'm doing all this for everybody else. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> so I don't do it perfectly. Um, I'm still navigating like how to take care of myself in those spaces. I acknowledge a lot, you know, like with my daughter. I, I nurture her first. I spend time with her. I fill her up. And then I tell her like, okay, I have to work for this next hour. Um, and we have a plan, but I make sure she's filled up first. I mean, there's like all this juggling and I'm not saying it's perfect. And I, but I have a spouse who's supportive. I have friends who are understanding and they just know like, okay, 
Kelly's doing boot camp. I mean, that's like the most intense period of my work. And beyond that, I really, I, I don't know what people think I do, but I don't work a whole lot. <laughs> I'm with my daughter when she gets home from school. Like, and then it's family time. Like, there's just clear boundaries around when I work and when I'm with family. Because other than boot camp, she probably doesn't really realize that I'm working so much. Mm. That speaks probably right to your why, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have built your life, your business around that why. Totally. I, I think, and that's what I preach is <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my sermon is like create a business that fits into your life, not the other way around. Not a life that fits into your business. Correct. Yeah. My life does not bow down to my business. And that's an act of rebellion right there in so Is many it? ways. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I think a lot of us have been brainwashed otherwise. I know in my family there's, you know, are you going to live where you work? Or are you going to work where you live? Mm. And it's kind of been seen as the two different paths that people take. I mean, you know, not necessarily working for yourself where we're all pretty location independent, at least when it, it's not coming to seeing clients in person. But that, you know, my dad always prided himself on the fact that he was going to work where he lived and he wanted to live on Cape Cod and be by the ocean. And that was going to determine the path of his life. And it mm -hmm. made our whole family life was very different because of that. And, right. you know, the other way was the corporate way that said, okay, you go and you, wherever the next, the job wants to move, move you, you live where you work. Yeah. So yeah. at least in my family, it is a bit of a rebellion and I, I still kind of ease into that. And I probably recognize the way in which I ask my family to fit into my work when I feel like, oh, I've, I, I have to take on all these different projects right now because what I need to do is make some money. So everyone needs to, to, to deal with this and work around it. Okay. Without that seasonal planning that I see in your work, that's so admirable and something to aspire to. Right. My husband is starting his own business. And last night we had date night and I was telling him, I'm like trying to remember like how the beginning is that it's very exciting. He's consumed. And I was, I said, you know, I love your enthusiasm and I'm still going to speak up when I need you to put your phone down. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, I got it. And I said, and I totally own that I was way worse when I first started. And he's like, yep. And I was like, but we didn't have a kid. <laughs> so he, you know, it's kind of funny to watch him now get this like deluge of inspiration and just enthusiasm for what he's doing. And, um, and I'm like, please learn from me. And he is. Um, and we just keep having conversations about it. You know what you were saying about the whole family thing? I, you're right. Like my grandmother, uh, raised her boys, my father to be workaholics. I'd say mm -hmm. my dad had, kind of broke the mold a bit and did some more entrepreneurial things and a lot of variety. But she really praised, you know, you are your work. And I was that very early on. And having Claire just kind of changed everything for that. I'm like, no, I am me. I am my relationships. I am so much more than my work. 
my work allows for other things to flourish in my life. And my work is of service, but it is not all of me. So can we talk a little bit about these seasons and how you organize your time to sure. to kind of plan for them and um, kind of grow with each season? Sure. You know, I have a couple things that are like services that are kind of date specific. Mm-hmm. So I lay those out. <laughs> and then basically Miranda and I, we did this yesterday into the end of 2018. We now have planned and we have the kids calendars, our spouse's calendars <laughs> and her racing. Cause she does racing calendars. I've got my derby bouts. <laughs> and we're like, okay, where you put we- all of that down first. Yeah. We're like, all of that uh, goes down like that. That sets the framework, the date yeah. specific stuff, the kids calendars, your husband's calendars and yeah. all of the, the activities well, that you're doing. Well, first is vacation time. Hmm. These are the months I don't want to work. This is the schedule I want to have. This and I told her I was like, you know, I'm thinking, what if I only work three days out of the week? And she's like, whatever, you know. Um, and so we're playing with that idea. We lay to the vacations down. Then we lay down our other like life stuff, and then we say, okay. We have these commitments to our clients to provide this boot camp twice a year, spring and fall. Where would that fit? What does that impact with launching? Who can we bring in to help us make the launch smoother? What is something creative we want to do? Where is that going to fit? And then we just kind of slowly add in stuff and make sure that it has time to be creative And for creativity, implementation, we want to give ourselves lots of time um, so that we do something that's of quality. And that's kind of how I roll. I love that method. Yeah. Yeah. Vacation first. Every time (laughs) I get a new calendar, I'm like, X, 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 X. (laughs) Like, I wrote a blog like, a year ago about how I took four months off and that was like oh it was a stretch you know okay taking four months off was the stretch or writing the blog uh taking the four months (laughs) off and telling people I did it yeah that was another stretch yeah yeah because there is this sort of mm, there can be judgment you know I don't really go around saying like I took four months off or you know there sometimes um in the field, there can be criticism, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if you're not working, then, you know, are you really doing something? I don't know. Right. Well, and then I'll admit it brings up for me that idea of, well, that's great, but I don't know if that's for me. Mm. That's okay. Yeah. But I think, I think that (laughs) resistance might come up in a lot of people when saying, well, oh, plan vacation first. That sounds wonderful. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do that. Well, and knowing yeah, that comes into my that's own like a right, scarcity based. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's probably where a lot of the like, mm, wow, she gets to take four months off. I can't give myself permission to do the same. Right. right. And that's okay. I think it's, there's a difference between I don't want to do that or, and I can't do that. So when someone hears something and they're like, that's not for me versus 
I could never do that. I can't do that. That's when I'm like, well, let's rebel against that a little bit because <laughs> whose voice is that? Like I talk a lot about the committee. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got these committee members sitting in your brain. Whose voice is that? Do they deserve a place on the committee? Do they need to be let go and fired? <laughs> you know, and who says you can't? You know, um, it was like, I'll talk to other people that are entrepreneurs and they'll be like, you know how it is. You're just working all the time. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I did. I, I did that. And I landed in a hospital and I'm not doing that again. So no, I, yeah, I do know how that can be. And I also know that that's self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose that in the past and I'm choosing something different now. So can you talk a little bit about that shift? Can you talk about that? Because that right there, that sounds like a huge pivot point where you looked at your life and you said, okay, this this way wasn't the way that's working for me. I want to do things differently. This is my why and this is what I want to build my life around. What happened for you in there in that moment of transformation? Well, I mean, sitting in an ER (laughs) can kind of like shift things for you a bit. I, and then I, just realizing I did it to myself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I had an accident. Mm-hmm. No, my body kept saying, you need to go home and rest. And I was like, no, I'm going to record more videos and I'm going to do all this stuff. <laughs> I didn't listen. And I ended up with a migraine that paralyzed me um, mm-hmm. on half of my face and one of my arms and stuff. And I was pregnant. Oh. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is not going to work when you have a child. So and to think like I could have put Claire at risk. It was a migraine, you know, but it was I was in session and my face like I could feel it like slack. Mm-hmm. And. Sounds like a wake up call. Well, yeah. And I'd say that that was a generous wake up call. I mean, <laughs> Like, I could have been given something way worse. You can recover from a migraine quite easily. And I am grateful nothing else happened. So at that time, I was, we were getting our first product off the ground. I was finishing up at my full-time job. I had my practice going and all these kinds of things. And I thought, you know. Talk about wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of things all at the same time. Yeah. And why? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Did you find that your why shifted there? Like, was that an integral part of the transformation that you went from, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, something like I need to create, I need to do, to I want to build my life around? Yeah, I think in the past, you know, there's a little bit of martyrdom, (laughs) that like (laughs) glorified, look at me, (laughs) kind of, I look at all the things, I'm working so hard, and yeah, for what and for who and at the end of the day like nobody cares and I it wasn't helping it wasn't helpful and it wasn't good for me I mean that's not enjoyable anymore and the more that I thought about what what am I creating the clearer I got about making some changes And when I'm telling you, like I was, my identity was wrapped up in that. And uh, 
there's a little bit of grief of letting that go. Sometimes fear of like, oh, what am I without the work? Who am I without that? Um, but I have, I've, I've found other, other things and other meaning, and yeah. that's been important. And knowing that, you know, authenticity in business is something that you have expertise in. And hearing this story, it helps me put all those pieces together. Mm Because earlier in this conversation, you were so embodying your message of plan vacation first. Sometimes you take four months off. Hearing the whole story and where you came from makes (laughs) me even more understand, like, Oh, wait, she's not just one of the lucky ones who was just born with this like, hey, I've got this all together and I put myself and my relaxation first and my business just falls into place because I am the blessed one. Like, no, no, there was a hospital visit and a hell of a lot of overwork that got you to this point, which again is why stories matter and why we need to understand them to say, wow, Kelly wears this so well and embodies this so well. And now I'm really seeing all the reasons why she does. Well, and don't forget, I just shared a story about I'm like freaking out my husband about asking me what I want for lunch. (laughs) I mean, and that was what, four weeks ago? I mean, like it's still, there's still little, there's still little corrections, but I'm not veering off the road anymore. It's just little like, oh, stay in your lane. Oh. There's a little, you know, when you're driving, you hit the little bump, 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 bump. Yep. You know, oh, move over again, Kelly, because clearly you're not managing it well. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. Those are reminders, though. Yeah. I you ha- know? I, yeah. I get lots of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 We, you know, I, I used to lead outdoor education courses, and we would teach um, groups of kids usually how to navigate off of, like, topographical maps with compasses. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was one of my favorite things to do. And one of the things we always taught them was, how are you going to know you're off course? Right? What, what are the things that are on the edges? Like, if you hit this road over here, you'll know you've gone too far to the west. If you, you know, like little landmarks and stuff like that, kind of like those bumps on the side of the road. And so I think that's also an interesting thing to bring into this conversation. How do you know when you're off course? And I think it's sometimes it's little, little, little reminders in your life like that. Like you, you know, have a moment with your husband and you're like, oh, oh yeah, okay, wait. <laughs> right? Like th- those those are the reminders. Those are the things that say like, okay, come back. Yeah, and I think language is a good reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, so the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and the must have to like definitive when you hear yourself saying those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I'm always like, are you sure about that? Especially with my clients. You know, I have to do it this way. I have to first, you know, build it this way so that I get credibility. And I'm, <laughs> you know, we have all these stories. all And really, they're just stories. The stories um, we tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I like paying attention to that. And this brings to mind for me too, and this is something I've personally been struggling with a lot, is understanding the difference between good push and bad push. Like when mm-hmm. am I pressing myself to my resistance point and over because I'm used to overworking and I have to prove myself? Mm-hmm. And when is it, actually, this is a barrier that has been keeping me back for a long time. How do I get past it so I can move on to the next stage into what's really beautiful evolutionary growth? Right. 
There's this thing I teach that I I learned from another coach about planning, right? We're talking about, we'll just take it kind of to a logistical mental thing first. But you look at your vision and then you look at, all right, in the next year, what would be a step closer to that? And then you break it down into projects and goals and tasks that you're going to have each week. And I, it kind of comes down to evaluating, does this get me to a different place or does this keep me stuck or repeating a pattern that I don't want to do anymore? So that's usually one of the ways that I can evaluate that. Like I can see when I can see a big picture and I see the thread, you obviously can't see my hands right now, but I'm like waving them in the air. Like there's a connection between what I dream of and what I'm doing today. Like I see how they're connected. And usually when people are pushing to the point that it's without, it's without purpose, they're missing that connection. So if you are like, I'm going to force this to happen, (laughs) you know, um, I think, what is that fear is excite is just excitement without breath. If you can breathe through things and feel excitement and understand the value and the connection to a bigger picture, go for it and push. But if you can't, don't push because that's all that's going to do is leave you feeling like a martyr or resentful and and frustrated. I'm I'm thinking of a few different things as you said that, you know, as as you're talking about fear being excitement without breath and if you can push through the breath, I'm it 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 conjured an image for me as you were talking about that of labor. Mm-hmm. Oh God. <laughs> You know, but like, just like how important breathing is to stay focused and present and out of fear, like right. not, not to be in fear. Um, and you want to talk about being in the present moment, <laughs> right? There's nothing that like, would be labor. That would be labor. And you know, that is such a great metaphor in some ways for these, mm-hmm. these things that as we talk about them over here at the practice being seen, we often talk about sensing, birthing and holding, you know, so labor is certainly a piece of that, you know, it's, it's the birthing stage, um, where everything kind of comes into fruition. I'm also, yeah, I'm also thinking a little bit about busyness, kind of like, a (laughs) a new cultural norm, you know, um, we like it. We like to call it hustle now. Oh, hustle. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It has more sparkle that way. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. It sounds more badass, doesn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. What a, what about busyness? <laughs> well, it's it's just it's such a thing these days, right? And I keep thinking it's it's a new way of avoiding connection. Sometimes that connection's with ourselves, sometimes it's with the most intimate relationships in our lives, but it's certainly a way of avoiding something else. And maybe mm-hmm. we're avoiding that thing because we don't we don't know how to how to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um and that's, that's certainly something like when, when you shared your story a little while ago, that was a huge pivot point, but also a big reminder about why to be in it, not just what the why is, but why to invest in it. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to not be busy. Mm-hmm. I had to be really uncomfortable <laughs> with just not doing anything. And it is still bizarre to this day. So technically, like... 
I make the bulk of my income within two months out of the year. <laughs> That's a very strange feeling. Yeah. To be like, okay, do I really have to do more? Should I do more? You know, taking off those four months or whatever. They weren't all consecutive in a row. It was spread out. But it was strange. It was, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it worked out all right, but it got, it was uncomfortable. Um, it felt, maybe it is a bit of a rebellion of like this, you know, I should be working harder or um, all these kinds of things can come up. And really, um, Miranda and I have learned that when we take time away and we play and we we stop the busyness, that's when our ultimate creativity just kicks off. And it seems important at this point to reframe what nothing means. Like in your Mm. nothing time, you're not just sitting staring at the wall. You're playing. You're doing a lot of other things that are for you and the people you love and with the people you love. Yes. But I'm doing nothing with my work Mm -hmm. very much. If anything, <laughs> very little. So, yeah, I'm doing other stuff. Um, but it's not this, like, feeling of grinding or keeping the machine going. The machine kind of runs on its own now. Um, and I can walk away and and play. Actually, that brings up another question for me. And that idea of of the machine of creating the machine, of thinking about what it's like for something to keep running even when you're not really, really actively tending it and using your thumbs on on your phone at all moments. And then what it's like to really be authentic and feel like you're pouring your energy into your work and connecting with people in um, a really you know live and potent and personal way. Right. Um. You know, when you build it, if you don't like it, then you built it so you can change it. Um, (laughs) This idea of like, I have to check my email all the time or uh, you've taught people to treat you that way. You've taught Mm. people to expect a response. Actually, yesterday, in fact, I was messaging with a friend and... I had a quick question. She gave me a quick answer. And then later she messaged and said, sorry if I'm being really short. And I was like, I don't expect, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, long conversations and all these kinds of things. I just had a quick question. It's totally fine. I get it. And that and she's like, oh, you're you're a person I can just be with, like be myself with. I was like, yeah, like we don't have to, (laughs) you know, you teach people like. You teach them what to expect of you. I know for me, it was one of the biggest revelations when I was actually um, one of our previous guests, Kim John Payne from Simplicity Parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a workshop with him and he, he kind of said, you know, people like, I don't know, maybe Steve Jobs or something like that have these auto replies on their emails that say, you know, they're not going to be checking them for like seven days or something like that. And I went home and I like made this new auto reply for myself that set a new expectation. Mm-hmm. And that has been one of the most freeing things I've done. And that combined with like adding scheduling on my website for my therapy practice, clients don't expect me to get back to them right away, but they do 
take time and explore my website and get to know me in that capacity. And then by the time I get around to getting back to them, because they've scheduled a call or something like that, they, they already know if they want to work with me. Yeah. You know, I've automated some of that. And it's, it's great because I'm not playing into that fear anymore that I used to be playing into. I have to call everyone back right away. Yeah. And I think the authenticity is that the piece of that is being up front mm-hmm. and saying like, hey, this is what it is. This is who I am. This is how I work. You like it. You're welcome here. You don't like it. I have great referrals for you. Yes. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so that's authenticity. I think too, when I am working on the machine, when I am creating, when I am, I am, I'm not just doing it again, just because it's got to be done. There's purpose behind it. It's an act of service for me. So if it's authentic, even though I wrote it three months ago and scheduled it out, it's still important. It's still me. It still has purpose. So I think what is inauthentic is when you have resentment, you know, and you're harboring it about your business or your clients and the way you're working or your staff. That's not being off. You're not being authentic. You're not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with the other people around you. You're not speaking up for what you need. And your business is going to then grow off of that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So you create something that's built on the, it has to be this way. Mm, It's going to be a rough road, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a great reminder. I mean, I think you, you very much already articulated this, but in the the hustle, in the, you know, must create content, must put things out there, it's remembering that that energy resonates much further than just the week after you wrote the post. Mm-hmm. And I think as I personally forget this as a content creator, like I'm shocked when someone's like, oh, I was watching your video and I need to bite my tongue and sit, don't say... I recorded that a year ago. What do you mean you were watching it? Wait, (laughs) the whole point is that I'm creating a body of work that supports me ongoing. And I certainly, I see that in my own writing clients all the time is that yes, there's so much in that writing process, in that creativity process of being in with your ideas and working on them, but you're only, you're missing half the glory. If you forget six months later, that piece has just as important of a transmission to offer somebody later. Yeah, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just never know. Like, I have clients who will say, remember two years ago when you said it made me so mad and now it I, it worked out. Or, you know, you're like, <laughs> I don't remember saying that at all, but you never know what will stick. So you you stay in your lane, you hold to your truth, you serve in the best way you know how, and the rest works out. I love that. I think that's a really great place for us to land here too today. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much for being with us. How can our listeners get a hold of you and and follow you? Yeah, if you are a therapist, a mental health clinician, you can check me out at Zinnime. That's where Miranda and I do all of our magical stuff over there. And if you are just an entrepreneur who's trying to grow a business and a life without becoming a workaholic, you can check me out at kellyhigdon.com. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. It was fun. Yeah. 
Thanks for that. Today's episode was brought to us by Being Seen. Being Seen is a new therapist directory service that is dedicated to helping new potential clients find your private practice. Yes, there are other directories out there, but Being Seen is different. Their skilled marketing team is building a broad network that seekers can find easily, but they're limiting the number of therapists in that directory. That means the people seeking help don't get overwhelmed and you're almost always near the top of the list. When you join the Being Seen Network, you get access to exclusive trainings and discounts on CEUs. And they stand behind their promise to help you grow your practice. If you're not thrilled with their service inside of one year's time, just send them an email and they'll refund your money. Find our friends at beingseen.org. And if you're a therapist, we are hosting a retreat this summer in August at Menla Mountain in New York's Catskills. It's called Revision. And it is a great opportunity for you to dive in and take a look at the stories and the ideas and the big stuff that is sitting within you and needing a little bit of attention, but all of that other stuff in your life and your everyday work has just gotten too busy for you to give it time and space to reflect on it. So this will be that dedicated time just to sit down and sit with a collective group of other therapists, entrepreneurs, and dive into those big ideas in a safe, contained holding space. You can find more about our Practice of Being Seen Revision Retreat at practiceofbeingseen.com slash events. And for more great content, check out practiceofbeingseen.com and spread the word by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Music written and performed by Christopher Ferris and produced at Kidneystone Studio.